Before we begin, this episode contains mentions of mental health, depression, self-harm, and suicide. Viewer discretion is advised. And we're live. Oh. Sweet. A couple of technical difficulties before the start. There is, uh, there's only two working mics now. Um, Finley, can you hear yourself in the headphones? Um, I can, yeah. That's yeah. a bit of a weird feeling. It feels feeling. nice, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, the other one works as well. Uh, these ones work as well. Do they? Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Right, we can uh, share the microphone. Hi, guys. Um, it's me, Callum Mayer, with my co-host, Tom. Good evening, everybody. Hope we're all doing well. Oh, we're having a fantastic so night. You sound so nice. You sound so crisp in that. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we have Finley Witten here. Um, Hi, guys. How's it going? Uh, we just sort of want to have like a chill conversation with you um, because I mean usually I come in here with like tons of notes and like a whole sort of script and I did want to do that. Are we going, uh, are we going noteless? I want to go noteless. I just want to sort of because um, I do like I was saying uh, off off air. I was sort of saying like I I tend to overthink what I'm saying when I have the questions and I tend to like not listen to what the other person is saying. Um, and just like sort of like, oh, when can I ask this next question? And then after the whole thing, I'm like, I don't remember a single thing that we mm. talked about. So I'm sort of you know, going off um, off script today to see if it, um, I don't know, improves the quality of the conversation, I guess. You know. So Finley, how are you doing? How are you today? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. It's been a busy day. Mm-hmm. Um it hasn't been a particularly productive day. But I feel like that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I mean, you can talk to us about your week. How, how's your week been? How have you been in general? Been? How have I been oh, in general? Give us a little rundown. I mean, it's been busy, right? We're just getting up to midterms. Everyone's getting finally into the, the academic swing of things, yeah. I feel. Everyone's getting like past the bullshit of, oh, like, uni is like, really fun. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> people, except, aside from the freshers, people are realising now that shit, like, we're at uni again. Like, this is yeah, summer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but it's been okay. It's been, it's been tricky. It's been stressful, obviously. Uh, it's been a bit of a low week for me. But that's part of that's part of the ebbs and flows of life. Of course, would you like to sort of like talk a bit more about that? Then? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it, it's kind of natural, right? In my opinion, not to get too deep too soon, but life kind of it comes in waves a little bit at you. It doesn't okay. doesn't come. It, it's not it's not linear. You're not always in a certain mood, and even if you look at every day, you're not always going to be a seven out of ten every single day. Some For days sure. you're going to be a nine. Some days you're going to be a six, five, four whatever um and most people kind of i like to hope would average around six seven eight sort of vibe but for me personally i get two week lows four week highs two week lows four week highs and it kind of levels out so that once twice a semester i just have a couple of low weeks and what happens then well fall behind on my academics don't contact my friends and it's just one of those things that happens how long has that sort of been happening for you? Because I feel like, um, like for me, like definitely high school, like sort of later years of high school, I sort of have the sort had the sort of similar mm. similar thing. Um, but yeah, what about, what about yourself? Tricky to say. Like in my school, I kind of went to quite a. I went to a school where that just like that just wasn't discussed. Like mental health, not not like a thing. It was like, oh, like. Um, just like lads culture like this is hilarious like just telling like really inappropriate jokes all the time not asking each other how we were so 
in school I probably had things like that but wouldn't have been able to even clock that that was happening for sure and I really only noticed that uh, a couple couple of years ago so just at the start of uni uh, for me and I think since since I've become much more aware of it I'm much better at saying like oh shit like okay this is just that week yeah like that's why this is that feeling yeah no that's why I'm behind on work I I really get that actually I think um sort of like my my mental development from when I was in high school to now has changed Mm. drastically Mm -hmm. and I think it's because of the people that I'm around you think so I think uh in high school I also think high school is a very like oppressive culture sometimes um people don't really want to people are very scared of being themselves in high school I reckon yeah I agree Um, like it's a very like it's great like you you can make some great friends but it's a very judgmental culture there yeah in high school and And you uh, feel why do you feel that's different in uni I think um, I think people, for one, I don't think, you come here and like people don't know who you were before. Mm-hmm. So you get like a fresh start, which mm-hmm. is a huge confidence booster. That's a big deal. You know, I'm glad that people didn't know who I was in high school, you <laughs> yeah, know. So, so because you get a fresh start, you get to sort of like reevaluate like, okay, who am I? Like, what are the pieces from my high school experience mm-hmm. I want to take with me? Mm-hmm. And what are the pieces that, you know, let's... Uh, Let's do some work on, on yeah. Some, you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like so, it's yeah. tricky though because I also I also think that we, te- we tend to be the same kind of person that we were in school. Like I think you'll find a lot of the same traits flowing through. So I don't necessarily feel like you're a different person now. You're maybe just a more refined version of the person that you were. Do you not find that leaving high school, um, and I've, I've had my very fair share of battles mental battles with mental health mm. that you le- you leaving and i don't know how big you guys high schools were but my school itself was three-year-olds to 18 year olds about 700 people and then high school itself was 180 people right quite small so there was sort of like that safety net and everyone knew every teacher everyone knew everything yeah like i came to uni first year well covid so kind of like just not really you know not really any mental health issues a bit yeah. boring and second year i kind of got to know people and my Struggles restarted last year, even though I kn- knew a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't like it, it, it's it's one of those things where I felt like it never happened in high school. Well, I mean, I have like once like a bad week, yeah, because I had that safety net. And even though I've got all my friends here, it doesn't feel like that kind of like same thing every day. Yeah, I think it's interesting at high school. It's definitely different, but you also I don't think I don't think anyone's as aware. Also, people, sure. people's brains like aren't as developed, yeah. I guess. So maybe you don't have the facilities to feel like that keen sadness, that keen emptiness that you yeah. actually can feel now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything to that. Do you do you think when you when you look back on like your high school experience, there is like like f- from who you are now, like when you look back onto your high school experience, do you see certain like trends or traits that you think are I would say, like, toxic or um, unproductive within sort of, like, lads' culture. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, looking at that in two ways. First of all, within myself, absolutely, and within the culture I was in also. um, Within myself, I was kind of, like, this meek, mild, like, would just kind of wanted to fit in, would do whatever... If people were rude, I'd be like, just turn the other cheek. It's okay, like, I'll be the bigger person, which is good in some situations. But it meant that I got walked all over in school. And that's something that I've intentionally tried not to do at uni. 
I'm so guilty of it sometimes. That's just how I am. Um, but that's something that I've tried to implement. But in school as well, the culture was crazy. Uh, really different. Like, private school, it, it just, like, in my opinion, so toxic. Didn't feel it at the time, but just super toxic. Lots of, like, uh, gay jokes, jokes about women, jokes about just a whole load of things that I would not joke about now. People in my year felt comfortable joking about all the time. Yeah. And it was under the guise of, like, well, like, that's so funny, like, that's hilarious. And people were just saying the most outrageous things that they could in order to gain, like, attention, laughter. And it wasn't a competition of, like, who's the funniest, who's the smartest, who's the hardest working, who's the most talented. It was, like, who can say the most outrageous thing? And that was viewed as, like, well, like, he, he's the bravest, he can say the most yeah, yeah, fucked yeah. up thing. Like, that's, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, I... I very much agree, um, and I don't know if you're still in contact with people from your high school, Not but so much. I, I, I've got a group of friends from, from there, and we've got like um, a chat that we kind of catch up with and kind of send each other memes to, mm-hmm. and you can kind of tell who's grown up and who hasn't. Yeah. Um, and it's very much like in the type of like, I mean, again, it's like, for example, what type of meme they'll send, it'll be something incredibly, and you know, I mean, I do comedy, I like dark humor. Yeah, of course. But... It's the difference between dark humor for the sake of like an actual good joke yeah. at the end of it yeah, yeah. and just being a piece of shit. Agreed. And you kind of see that that comparison of if this was six years ago, everyone would be liking the meme. Huh, exactly. so funny. Whereas now it's just like one other person and yeah. everyone ignores them. Yeah, like what are you doing? Yeah. Like what are we doing here? Yeah. What are we playing at? For sure. I mean, I think it's, I think it'd be interesting to sort of discuss like, you know, what we're talking about, this very like oppressive nature of high school and, uh, how it sort of encourages certain behaviors, mm. um, especially like also because it's so oppressive, like the effects that can have on uh, men's mental health and mm-hmm. the way you feel like you can't express yourself, and also sort of like how that affects the women around us, like yeah. the women in our life, is a very important thing. I'd like to hear um, your two cents on. Yeah. Totally. I think it's interesting. I mean, certainly my in my high school, and not something I feel at all anymore. There was this, like, massive fear of being like perceived as gay, mm-hmm. or like, uh, effeminate, or like emotional, and that's just crazy. Like, what what are we talking about? And if you've got if you've got boys that are scared to show their emotions, how on earth are they supposed to have honest, open communications with each other? And then specifically, how on earth are they supposed to respect people that are seen in society as more emotional, as more feminine yeah. women, mm-hmm. right? So if boys are so scared of, of being open like that, what are they going to think of the people that they perceive as more open anyway? For sure. And so it creates this relationship where you, at the same time, want to appear macho and brave and strong, but also crave like an intimate connection with someone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Isn't think, that crazy? Yeah. It's like it's a crazy like duality there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, for me, I don't know how we go around sort of like breaking the system because, uh, like my, if I look at my family, I feel like there's certain traits that my family members have. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of embody that, and uh, I like yeah, I, I don't know the first thing to do about how to like start that conversation, how to break down these sort of barriers. Um, to sort of like talk about uh sort of being like vulnerable and open with uh mm. with 
especially with other men in in my life because uh, I think I've, I've noticed this. Uh, I was reading a book recently uh, that me and Finlay both read. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the author. Do you know the author? Uh, Peggy Ornstein. Yeah, Peggy Ornstein. And it's called Boys and Sex. Yeah. Um, and there's a really interesting part where it sort of talks about how we as men lean on women for emotional labor, mm-hmm. which I found very interesting and sort yeah. of like reflected on my own life and went, yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, why is that? Like, why, why can't we, why do, why do I feel like I can't have these conversations with like my male friends? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, in school it was all the boys were at this persona and then the, anyone that had girlfriends were their girlfriend was their best friend and why was that because that was the only one they had the emotional connection with you say high school but even like in in my own situations there's people that i'm that i'm incredibly close yeah, with i agree that even like in university guys that i i, I was mentioning my I remember last year i was mentioning kind of like my, my, my struggles to him he's like oh mate don't talk about that yeah don't talk about that yeah yeah and you know obviously at the time kind of felt a little hurt but kind of you know, this is before I went into myself into therapy, which mm-hmm. I started in August. But it, it, it was hearing that and being like, oh, okay, I guess I, guess I won't. Yeah, and, and I was talking about James to, you. And then I kind of started talking about it to a lot of my friends and then realized that, like, it kind of like was before I kind of realized I needed to see a professional because it was just like, I would just use my friends because, like, I don't go to therapy. Yeah. Because I did it, like, for example, I did as a kid, like, very little. It was like something that was bothering my parents, like, you need a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't actually at the time, mm-hmm. but that made me not like psychologist yeah. so i didn't want to like ever go back mm-hmm. but like it's one of those things where like you know, I, I feel like i was talking to a lot of my girlfriends yeah. uh not not you know friends that are women <laughs> I, I don't date <laughs> women scare me um but i would talk to them about 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 you know my issues whereas like a lot of my guy friends would be like oh no mate you know don't, yeah. don't talk to me about that mate you know we're here to have a good time shut it down really quickly yeah yeah and it's interesting i'm kind of the same now like Obviously, we're having this conversation, and I there's have... no way we would have had this conversation like four years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I would have exactly. just laughed. Exactly. <laughs> but even with my friends at uni, like, I wouldn't sit down and have this conversation. Like, oh, like, let's look at men's mental health and how your journey through high schools impacted you. It would have to it'd be a chat. That would take a long time to really warm up to. Um, and obviously, in this environment, it's great because we we've decided that. We want to talk about this area, so it makes it easier to yeah. talk about. Are you glad that you're able to sort of like diagnose why you feel sad now? Like you were sort of talking about how you're able to be like, okay, yes, I'm sad these days, mm-hmm. and I understand why. Mm-hmm. Has that brought a sense of like comfort or like routine into your life that you you appreciate? Mm. It's tricky. It's a double-edged sword because it's helpful knowing like, oh shit, like okay. I'm sad and this might be why um, I can kind of link it back to whatever but also sometimes you can't fix the things that are making you sad and in, in some ways it's better not to know because then at least you can kind of pretend it's not happening whereas if you if you know about it and can't fix it that's frustrating but in that sense if you're leaving it in you're bottling it up yeah 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 and that can then break out into serious like I think that's right like like a serious breakout it's a bit it's a bit like um i compare a bit to acne because uh i've had i've had acne for the last mm-hmm. 10 years it's you you can't control your acne in the sense you can't just get rid of it yeah but you can do a few things to to sort of alleviate it it's how you eat it's obviously t- washing your face mm-hmm. 
if you have creams, put it on creams. It's also how you eat, your diet, it's doing exercise. Those are things that kind of keep it at bay. But if you just say, oh, I can't do anything to do with this acne and you, you know, don't touch, you know, you leave it, mm-hmm. it just will, at some point, it will break out and it'll be tough to fix. Yeah. And that's the same thing with mental health, For I real? found. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a bit of a story time. I, had, I dated this girl a couple of years ago now, um, before, obviously, before the current girl I'm seeing. And we were dating for a really long time, kind of high school sweethearts, 15 when we started seeing each other. She was my first kiss, my like first sexual experience, first girlfriend. Go through first year of uni, long distance. Um, but the whole time I was like kind of, ah, something isn't right. Like, I don't know what it is, I can't put my finger on it, but th- this isn't how this should be. And so I held it in, I held it in, I held it in. And then at some point I was like, shit, shit like we need to break up. Like I'm not in love, like we're not in love with each other. And then I held it in for another six months. And then just a huge, massive blow up because for six months a year, I'd been holding in this massive feeling of guilt, regret, um, like I was doing something wrong and sneaky, even though I wasn't necessarily. And then in that moment, everything just got so much worse because I hadn't said something as soon as I felt it. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between expressing your feelings and like, and trauma dumping or whatever. But it's so important to actually discuss these things, I think. Do you think there's a reason why like, you kept it in? Yeah, I'm, I'm a person that, that doesn't like upsetting people. Don't like um, letting people down. I don't, want, I don't want to hurt people. And I thought that by breaking up with her, saying, oh, actually, like, we're not in love, that was going to hurt her. But long term, obviously, realising that your boyfriend at the time hadn't been in love with you for six months is a lot more hurtful than yeah, for sure. your boyfriend just breaking up with you. Yeah. And so then at that point, I was like, oh, my goodness, like, that's just so unhealthy that I wasn't able to say this mm-hmm. because I was such a people pleaser that I actually hurt the person that at the time I cared about one of the most in the world, even if just as a friend. How do you think, um, I guess, these ideas of, like, toxic, toxic masculinity uh, hinder, like, men's ability to communicate properly? Mm. Like, uh, I guess, like, our emotional intelligence? Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of men have much more emotional intelligence than than they feel comfortable letting on. I think that's, for sure. a, that's a big part. Oh, yeah, part. for sure. Because um, I, think, I think toxic masculinity is a very interesting one because I don't think masculinity in and of itself is a toxic thing at all. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, how would you... Because I don't want to just throw out buzzwords. I want you to sort of, uh, I guess, define what your opinion... Like, what's your definition of toxic masculinity? Like, what's masculinity? What's toxic masculinity? And how how do they differentiate? Yeah, good question. I mean, first of all, they're they're both social constructs, right? Masculinity, masculine, is not, like, it's not inherently to do with being male. Of course, you've got, like in hunter-gatherer times, like, hunters are, like, the strong, fast providers or whatever, and women are, like, the gatherers looking after the children, but I don't think that that's relevant anymore. I think we've evolved past that. And I think that whilst it's... whilst it's something that in eons ago would have defined us as a people, like, you're the male and you're the female, now we've got these constructs of, like, man and woman. And I think that's where masculinity and femininity come to play much more. So it's a ma- it's a made up thing, I think. Although that's that's a really interesting debate because yeah. I think every man, mm, maybe that's not fair to say, everyone who identifies as a man has a kind of drive 
a more masculine drive. And I think, yeah. I can't speak for women, but I, I think they tend to have a more feminine drive. Mm-hmm. And for me, if we're looking at masculinity, take aside the fact that it's a co- social construct, it means it means being able to look after people when they need you to. It means being able to do the right thing. But that's the same with feminism. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. It's, it's, if I can have my... Yeah, sorry. It's similar in a way to very early on. I know this is constantly an example for toxic masculinity, but Mm -hmm. it's, you're at the playground, right? You know, a, a girl falls, right? Yeah. Hurts herself. Hey, how you doing? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. All right, we're going to get you some help, okay? Even though yeah. she's crying, say, hey, we're going to get you some help. We fell, right? I don't know about you guys. I fell. It's, right, Tom, why are you crying? Boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. And I cried, like, I would say for the most minor thing, from the age of two to the age of, I want to say, 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, I mean, was I an overly sensitive guy? In a way, yes. In a sense of like, I mean, when I was twelve, we. Oh, when I was twelve, um, there's a, there's a, there's a notorious story at school. My friends talk about me before, mm-hmm. is that I asked to, to to take a penalty, and my friends didn't at lunch like football didn't let me, so I cried and went to principal. Now it's obviously a bit different, but it was kind of like a lot of it was pent up from just like uh, yeah, I was sort of like half bullied, but like also from that like teased mm-hmm. since I was a kid and. Teasing is like okay, but they were like because of the fact that I was also bullied and the kind of teasing went into bullying yeah, because I couldn't it recognize it. Of course it does. Yeah, I, I I didn't really know how to control it. So like a lot of guys would kind of just like bottle it in and being like, "Oh, boys don't cry. I don't cry. Yeah. I'm a boy." Whereas that never really worked for me, so I just kept on crying, and it was always like Tom's yeah. always crying. Tom's even it's like it's like a girl, it's yeah. kind of like a little girl, kind of yeah, like a little yeah. baby. Mm-hmm. When it was things that I did need to cry for, like people wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like you know, I was being overwhelmingly emotional. I don't know what you're trying to show me here. We can, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, um, yeah, I, I feel like that's that's like from from a young age with yeah, us. Yeah, it's ingrained, right? Yeah, like what I mean one of my friends, and and I, and I love him to death. He knows I'm in therapy, and I said to him, I was like, you're talking to me about something. I was like, oh, you know, you should, you, should, you know, you should probably try out therapy, even if it's like one session, see yeah. how it goes. And he always said to me, no, mate, I go to a gym. Mm. I kind of like half laughed and I was like oh yeah it's good to, you're exercising yeah. like I need to go back to the gym it's been a month yeah. um, and I was consistently doing it like in the summer and everything. Mm-hmm. it was like no mate like no genuinely like like I go I lift weights I feel better don't need that yeah I mean that's that, like that's not how it works that's like a short term release of endorphins from physical exertion like yeah. that's not a sustainable thing exactly it's good to get into good healthy habits and like fitness has a direct correlation with mental health of course but like actually uh, analyzing and combating the deep-seated trauma slash fears issues that we have is the only way sustainably to pr- to improve our mental health. Right. Uh, and exactly. And I think after the song break, uh, I think we talk about more like the kind of benefits of talking out and talking to others. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll see you after the break. Okay. Right. I was gonna say right. I I definitely feel like you're the kind of guy that get in your person. Me. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking about it. I really wanted like a like a like a cross one, like a I don't know, like a Christian cross. Oh, one. right, okay, yeah, yeah. But then I was like, that's like that's not appropriate. Mad basic, though, right? Yeah. What are you saying? 
So uh, for the audience, that was uh, Virtual Insanity by Jamiroquai. 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 And that Your was song. Finley's request of a song. Very good song. Before we get back into the discussion, I'm going to just uh, take a two-second break to give a trigger warning for the podcast. I'll be on Spotify and Apple Music, given the themes that we are discussing. So I'll just go into that now. Um, okay. Before we begin, this episode contains mentions of mental health, depression, self-harm, and suicide. Viewer discretion is advised. There we go. And that's for the podcast. That was okay. cool as fuck. That was pretty good. That was cool as fuck. a beautiful voice. You. That was such Honestly. a good podcast voice. <laughs> so anyway, earring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then my friend, Lydia, shout out Lydia. Um, we had this little bet on, she was like, if I do this, will you get an earring? And I was like, okay, like class. Like I've wanted an earring for a while. And then I text my girlfriend, Soph, and she was like, like you're not getting an earring and I was not like really. okay well I'm not getting an earring <laughs> that's that sorted no earring oh, for Finley tough you have earrings? I got I got one um, when did you get that? I got it during summer I got it during summer yeah. and, uh, how did I not notice that? I don't know crazy so saying, yeah. were I, you expecting a compliment? I was expecting a compliment <laughs> I'm very, very upset I didn't get one <laughs> I, um, I got it during summer it was funny because uh, I was talking to my aunt my aunt said you know you're the kind of person that would have a piercing back yeah I was like, huh. So, like, the thought just festered, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, the day after I was in London, I was in Camden Town. Um, and it's a place where there's just, like, a bunch of tattoo shops, piercing mm-hmm. shops. And I was with my cousin, and I said, guess what aunt said to me yesterday? And I was like, da 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 And she's like, you know where we are right now? Like, what do you reckon? I was like, fuck it, let's do it. So I just got it, and it was so sore, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I went through it. But now I'm thinking of other piercings I want. Like, I'd, I would love a nose piercing. A little nose piercing. Uh, I'd love to get the other ear one ear done, and even maybe like a hoop up top as well. Yeah, um, I like definitely yeah. Cartilage one. Yeah, I reckon. I just stuff. I think the they're future. cool. I think they're cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's got to be. I really want tattoos. Ooh, really want tattoos. I wouldn't want visible ones initially. I'd want like ones that, whatever. Like you take off your top, and you're like, damn, like like that's tattoos. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah. he's got tattoos mm-hmm. on. I feel like that's kind of cool. Like a chest tattoo. Uh, I want to wait until like. I get absolutely ripped I to know, get my tattoos. I know. <laughs> That's what I was saying, but I don't think I'll ever be ripped enough in my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I almost got a chest tattoo, and I'm not even ripped. I just kind of, like, looked online being like, I feel like it, 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 it won't, like, it doesn't, apparently muscle unless you're going, like, unless you're, like, roided to shit. Mm. Or, like, going from, like, like, when I say, like, a lean, lean body type mm-hmm. to the opposite. Apparently it doesn't really affect, like, the tattoo. The distortion isn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how, with piercings, one of the reasons, I would like to get a tattoo. I like to get a few tattoos, and I, I don't have, I haven't done it yet. But piercings to me, I'm terrified of needles. Mm. Like, it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> That's why I don't think I'd ever get a piercing. Well, tattoos as well then, though. Yeah, yeah but I feel like it's a different needle, though. Like, the, a piercing goes through your skin. Yeah, that's true. Whereas Still with tattoos. Like, no, it, it, it does. It does go through your skin, but I feel like to a different amount and then the piercing is always in your ear yeah. I think it's, it's always in your ear or in your nose or wherever you're having it tattoos always there as well you know i feel yeah, like but the needles aren't yeah well i feel like um when you're getting your tattoo done the noise of the tattoo Burr. gun will freak you the fuck out like especially if you're scared of needles needles with a noise yeah like, come on. <laughs> no it's not to me it's 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 the feeling of, of a needle it's the it's the puncturing you, def- you you feel that with the tattoos as well. I know. It's like I, nippy. Apparently, it's a different. It's a different feeling though to like an actual. Yeah, needle. like not going through. Yeah. Well, the only only way is to to find out, right? <laughs> Let me talk tattoos. Come get them with us. <laughs> anyway, so I I really wanted to talk about. I mean, before the break, we were talking about masculinity. Um, 
we couldn't really come to a decent definition because it's you know such a broad topic. And to be fair, I don't think either of us are, are probably qualified to to talk about it in depth. But um, I guess, well, I mean, I, for me, I'd say masculinity encompasses like assertiveness, decisiveness, mm. uh, a care for one's family, uh, an emotional rock. Uh, That's to, an interesting one. Um, and a, a, a sense of the ability to give a sense of security to the people mm -hmm. around you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's how it would be. The thing that I see with all of these is that you kind of desire those, like if you think about your ideal partner, right? Uh, and you know, whether that's a man or a woman, it doesn't matter, but you desire that in a partner as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. you desire an emotional rock, someone to lean on. You desire someone who can be assertive, but sometimes chooses not to. You desire someone who... What was the last thing you said? Uh, what did I say? I just sort of, sort of been like... Uh, is there for like support yeah. for their family. But that reminds so. me of my mum more than my dad. Do you reckon? I'm just talking... Uh, maybe I'm just like envisioning it as sort of like the figurehead of a family. Mm. Like the the one that sort of... Of a nuclear family. Dictates, keeps... All, yeah, it's very, very like... Um, very stereotypical, I reckon. But um, I feel... I feel strong femininity and strong masculinity have all the same traits. Yeah. That's why it's so difficult to define because what is, we're looking at forms in philosophy at the moment and that's like, okay, so you've, got, you've obviously got your triangles and there's one thing that makes all these things a triangle and of course you've got these definitions like oh, three sides, however many degrees or whatever, but for example, all these cats they're all cats. What is the one thing that makes them all cats? Is it pointy ears? No, foxes have those. Is it furry coat? No, dogs have those. Four legs? No, horses have those. What is it that makes it a cat? And so the point is that what is the thing that defines masculinity? Mm -hmm. And it's so difficult to put a finger on. And that's why it's because it's it's a socially constructed idea. It's not inherent. It's not intrinsic. So, so if we can't define what masculinity is, right, or we find mm -hmm. it difficult... How do we find how do we define toxic masculinity? What is that then? Yeah. Is that, is that like an offspring of is that is that masculinity taken to its extremes? Is that assertiveness, decisiveness, all these attributes that we've talked about? Yeah. Is it them taken to uh, the extreme? Yeah. Well, it's a good it's a good point. Uh, I'd like to clarify first of all that I think all those things you mentioned that you associate with masculinity are good things. I think those are good things to be. I think it's good to be assertive, decisive an emotional rock, someone that people look to when they need help. I think those are all brilliant. And I don't necessarily think that toxic masculinity is just those things, but times it by ten. Mm -hmm. I mean, if someone's too assertive, that's weird, but it's not necessarily... You wouldn't say necessarily, like, that's masculinity. you just say that's a bit yeah. weird. Do, do you think it's like a combination of all of these? Like a sort yeah. of melting pot and when it gets to sort of like a boiling point? Right? You look at society's ideas of masculinity and then you see how some people are trying to enforce those and they do it in ways which sub subjugates other people and makes other people less empowered. I mm. think toxic masculinity disempowers people. True masculinity empowers other people to be, to be good. Mm. I think that's maybe a key difference for me and I don't think that's necessarily something that is distinct to masculinity. I think it's the same thing with femininity. But... I think toxic masculinity disempowers people. It makes people feel like they're less. And I, I think, um, and we've had discussions on this in the past, and I think 
the the rise in such poor mental health among men, which has been present for a long time, mm-hmm. but I think there's been such a rise in in, in poor mental health among men. Uh, you mentioned the kind of like good masculinity and good values masculinity versus toxic masculinity. Yeah. And I, that's why I feel that men like Andrew Tate have mm-hmm. absolutely just hurt men. Yeah, absolutely. And, and while they're trying, while the idea of helping young men and helping men who are clearly overcoming, trying to go overcome struggles of loneliness mm-hmm. uh, and other aspects that hurt their mental health, yeah. men like Andrew Tate, um, and, and, and there's, there's definitely a lot of others, and Jordan Peterson as well, who just kind of like, it, it, it's especially I find Tate, it, it's, it, it, it creates a toxic man out of that yeah absolutely um and i I fear i personally fear for for uh, i think in our generation when i say our generation i think our people like i'd say within our year like mm -hmm. 2021 um maybe slightly older i think we're not necessarily immune to it but we're most most of us are developed mentally enough to ignore it Mm -hmm. or to to pass it off as what it is which is just completely toxic Whereas I worry for those who I would say are 15, 16, sort of like going through this later stage of puberty. Mm-hmm. Um, so impressionable. Yeah, and, and, and going into school, going into university. I'm worried for them and how they're going to turn out. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, I think it's such a slippery slope. Um, some, of, some of the the things that we can see in the media, especially with characters like that. Um, I mean, I'll be completely honest. Like, when I was younger, that's I was so impressionable. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, because it's someone with that kind of iconography you know he's 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 muscular he's he's got the girls he's he's got the money you kind of want to look up to him and uh you you want to take in what he's saying yeah. and it's like when you're that age when you when you're down when you're confused when you don't really know um how to fit into your role as a man or like you don't you don't know what you're doing when you're that young it can, you can be so impressionable and so easily swayed by the things that uh, you're hearing from these people, you know, and I think it's uh, definitely pretty dangerous. Yeah, I mean, you look at Andrew Tate, for example. I mean, Jordan Peterson's another example, which we can touch on after. But aside from his big, bald, ugly head, everything that he does is like a a, stati- a symbol of status. He's got muscles because he works out in the gym. He's uh, like a professional kickboxer. He knows how to make money and get girls. And so these are all things that like. As a man, you think, okay, like that's what I like. That's, that's what, what makes I me want. a man. That's, that's what, what I want. That's yeah. what makes me a man. Those are the signs of masculinity. That's right. Yeah. And the problem is, like, anyone can have those things. Uh, anyone can go to the gym. No, anyone can make loads of money, but people can make money and they don't have to be like that. But he's loud and he's saying controversial things and he's saying things that. What's I- ironic is that he's actually talking to men and he's actually giving men an emotional outlet. He's saying, if you want to be like this, then you need to do these things. You need to develop yourself. You need to become like this. And that can be such a force for good, obviously. So so what you're saying is you think he's actually capitalizing on the fact fact that men have a limited uh, emotional outlet. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. I, I also think that he's, as much as I don't respect anything he does or says, I think he's probably a pretty smart guy. Like I think he knows what he's doing. I think he's realised that there's a niche in the market for, for sure. impressionable young men that want to buy his course and look and be like him, saying, okay, these guys don't know how, they've got no, no one's guiding them through life. I'm going to be that person for them. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to make a lot of money whilst I'm doing it. 
It's the, I think it's the, he capitalizes on the want for, I'm not going to say a father figure, but like, for, yeah, like a guiding figure. For, for someone that people want to be, but um, yeah. it's just uh, a bit extreme, yeah. I reckon. I feel like kind of a, a consequence of 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 poor men, poor mental health among men, and poor mental health among men and sort of like other and toxic masculinity has led to a lot of insecure men. Absolutely, which I think like men like Tate. I don't, I don't think Tate is secure no. in himself, and a lot of other men. And I think this is obviously not necessarily linked to mental health itself, but that shows that insecurity is. Um, it's become a bit of a meme now, but you know, have you ever heard of Bradley Martin? Yeah, the bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the meme of like he will, he will have a professional, like a UFC fighter or other fighter on his mm-hmm. show, and he'll say and he'll say, Can I, "Could you take me in a street fight?" And I go, "Yeah, yeah, I could." He goes, "No, no, but I'm two hundred sixty pounds. Yeah, I'm two sixty. Like, no, you can't. Like, I'm two sixty. I'm big. I work out. I'm a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. You can't. I get on top of you. You're flattened." And you see all these other fighters kind of like laugh him off. There's a guy called Sean, o- Sean O'Malley, the bantamweight champion. So he weighs in about 135 pounds. Yeah, 60 kilograms. Yeah, so 60 kilograms as opposed to like way over 100. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, you, you see his answer. He goes, well, no, I've, I've trained this pretty much all yeah. my life. You know, I've trained the big guys. You know, it's, 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 you know, yeah, you're big. You look good, man. But like, you know, just saying, I, I know what I can do. Mm-hmm. And it's that sort of like, it, it, it's, you know, and I mean, it's not me saying Sean or Sean O'Malley can be an absolute idiot, but it's 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 that sort of like that security that I feel like a lot of men need to have of being yeah. secure of in themselves. Yeah. I mean, it took me a long time. I mean, people that know me, but who've never seen me, I'm I'm a very tall, lanky, skinny guy, <laughs> and people think, oh, you're tall, you know, you're six five, you know, good for you. But you know, like, it took me years to get used to like, you know, because I'm I'm not as skinny as I used to be, but I was I was you know being pole, I was. Mm. Not one bit of muscle on my bones, and I mean, not that much now. But like, I'm so much. I'm I'm completely secure in who I am. Like, mm-hmm. I want to go to a gym to be to be to to you know to be healthy, to feel good, yeah. to kind of lift heavier weights, just because I know that's like that's just better for me. Yeah. But it took me for years to like. I want to go to the gym because I want to be big because I should be big. I shouldn't be mm-hmm. this scrawny guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas really, that does nothing. It's yeah. it's. I think a lot of men need to have that security within themselves, which comes as part of having a solid mental health. And whether it's because of loneliness, yeah. uh, what the fact is, I don't know, what, what do you think about that, Finley? There's, so there's a couple of points I want to touch on there. For sure. Um, just quickly back to Andrew Tate. When you make a, like he's obviously an insecure man, but when you make a caricature of yourself, right, you portray this Cobra King. If people attack the Cobra King, they're not attacking you. You can hide your own mental health, your own insecurity behind this facade that you put up, behind yeah. this character. And then, and I think that's so interesting because that's how he, that he comes off and so so cocky and confident. But it's a character he plays. For sure. And no one's attacking the real Andrew Tate. Only he knows the real Andrew Tate. Everyone else knows this character he puts up. So that's one way to to save face, to to look after yourself whilst being insecure about giving off this secure vibe mm. and and with the Bradley Martin thing a lot of like a lot of UFC fighters already is I don't I don't know but like I love the UFC I love boxing um, a lot of them are probably stupid but if there's one thing about <laughs> them for real for real Justin Gaethje number one oh. <laughs> <laughs> but if yes. you look at them they're so self-assured because they know in any situation in any physical altercation like they're not going to come off on the worst end of that and that's Bradley Martin going that's him feeling some insecurity, going, yeah. well, I must be, like, I'm I'm this weight, like, 
you know, I, I, I've built this all my life. But these guys have worked on a different skill set their yeah. whole life. So they're coming into these situations confident. They're laughing it off because they don't care. They're not going sure, like, yeah. Bradley Martin, we need to fight. Like, I need to prove myself. They're maybe going, oh, yeah, let's do a sparring round or whatever. But they're not threatened by him. Yeah. And isn't that something with coming into this into this situation with just entirely like self-assuredness, self-confidence that you can only build through like in very intentional means. I think that's something that's really important. I don't know that I've got too much more to say on it just now, but it's it's impressive. Uh-huh. And it's important. There's the idea of being like uh, silent in your confidence. Yeah, like exactly. not having to to prove anything to anyone. Like just yeah. n- just knowing that that you've worked on that skill set. Mm. It doesn't have to be a physical skill set. It can be like, yeah. a, you know, a comedian's good at the craft. For a sure, psychologist yeah. is the best in the world. Like, and yeah, that's that's such a, like a, a blissful sense of security you mm-hmm. get from that. Mm-hmm. Um, just the ability to to know in your own head that you you don't have to uh, kind of show and tell everyone else about this. Like you're yeah. very you're very comfortable. Um, it's, it's it's quite a nice thing to have with yourself. Um, you know, I think for me, I've definitely like tackled a lot of insecurities head on, and because of that, I'm very comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of things, especially about like the whole bravado thing. You know, it's very that's a very like present thing in my high school, and for me as well. I don't feel the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 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 proud that I'm able to sort of have uh, these kind of conversations with my friends. It's it's a nice feeling. It's yeah, it's, it's not it's not an embarrassing feeling. And I think embarrassment is how I would have felt, mm-hmm. you know, four years ago talking Definitely. about this. Um, but it also means that I feel a lot less lonely, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a, a subject I really wanted to talk about um, because, you know, I don't have the statistics on me, but there is so much evidence that shows that men are really fucking lonely right mm-hmm. now. Um, and I guess what we've been talking about are the causes of that loneliness, but... Um, yeah, I guess what's your what's your stance on on loneliness in men? Have you experienced it? Do you think it's different? Just uh, before Finley goes into this, if I just read this out, this? It is, this is suicide rate in Scotland. Just yeah, yeah, go yeah. with that. Uh, just before we go into loneliness, because that's obviously a very much uh, important link topic, which is uh, suicides for Scotland. This is from Samaritans. Um, the overall suicide rate was fourteen per hundred thousand people. Males remain almost three times as likely to die by suicide than females, but the female suicide rate has increased since 2017, which you know, is obviously another factor to talk about of just poor mental health globally and different factors, but it's three times as likely in males. Uh, people living in Scotland's most deprived areas remain more than three times more likely to die by suicide than those living in the least deprived areas. I don't know why, but I mean, I mean, I, I told you about this off air, but it definitely reminds me of um, a conversation I had with my mum I sort of was asked, like, you know, why why are women? I mean, I mean, obviously this doesn't uh, this doesn't account for all women, but I feel like from my perspective, uh, women seem a lot less lonely in certain uh, situations. And I sort of asked my mum that, like, why do you never feel this way? She sort of said, like, you know, when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling upset, I can go to my friends, I can just talk to them, and you know, we can cry out, we can hug it out, we can watch a movie, get some ice cream. And and that's that, and uh, I feel so much better because of it. Um, and sort of her describing how her her friends are like this pillar of emotional support for her. Like she said, I don't think men have that in the same way. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that definitely leads to like this kind of loneliness and just n- not not being able to sort of talk with your male friends about this. And we've talked about this before, but I just thought that was such an interesting thing to say that you know, as like women are just so fucking far ahead of the game when it comes to like emotional intelligence and us. Mm-hmm. Like we really need to like step our game up and uh, kind of let let each other know it's okay that we can we can sort of talk to each other in this way and that it's. Uh, it's not wrong to do it. In fact, it's uh, it's very healthy. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think loneliness is a huge problem. I feel lonely sometimes, uh, I, especially when my girlfriend's busy, and I've got no one to talk to about necessarily like how my day's been aside from just like what I've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah for you know? sure. Because if you're talking to your mates, you're like, oh, like how's your day been? What you get up? I to? did this. I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not like did I this. Felt this. Felt I felt like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and having no one to to process your emotions with is just like as we said like it's just massively unhealthy you can't bottle that in you can't bottle it in um i I mean i wonder what do you guys think about suicide rates increasing in general where's that coming from for me i mean i think the the elephant in the room for me has got to be to social media Mm. i think um i mean we've had conversations Mm -hmm. about social media before like you're you're not on instagram Mm -hmm. and uh I mean, you've you've told me your reasons for it, but I think your reasons for it are very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, yeah, if you want to sort of expand on that, it's quite interesting. Yeah, um, I actually agree with the social media thing. I think it's the way I look at it is, and I don't base everything off of like this is the way we're designed or whatever. Obviously, because we're talking about social constructs and masculinity, but our brains are built a certain way, and a certain way is three million years ago, you only knew six people, and that was the six people in your tribe, and that was it. And so, and you'd marry your sister. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so, now we obviously know more people in real life. Right, we go to our lectures. We have our friends. Um, but I, I struggle to believe that you can keep in close contact with more than fifty people. And if you're doing that, and if you're seeing, what, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred people on your Instagram doing different things, fun things every day and you're sat in your bed doing your work, and your mate's on holiday in Spain, and your other friends have got a girlfriend, and your other friends just got a six-pack. It's like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Like, Constantly comparing yourself to people is not healthy, in my opinion. And so... Do you think, ironically, it's uh, it's done the opposite effect? Like, we are less social yeah. now because of social media. I mean, it's tricky to say. I think that's kind of a buzz phrase. I think... I don't think we're less social. I think it would be because we kind of got social media when we're kind of coming towards adulthoods. I don't mm. think it's affected us too much. Look at kids though. They're on TikTok all the time. I saw this stupid video my friend sent me the other day of children playing outside and they were just doing TikTok dances with each other. I was like, that's not socializing. That's crazy. Like you're supposed to be running around, like having play fights, shooting each other with water guns. It's not TikTok dancing with yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in silence on your own, like that. For sure, yeah. that's mental. I think with social media, and I, I, do, I think you might remember earlier this year, I kind of like went off all social media. Yeah. What, what I found, oh god, that's loud. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to the audience. Uh, what I found was my life is now consumed by social media mm. in the sense of of well, when Callum and I are at work, 
yeah, you can use Messenger, Facebook Messenger, and so on about Facebook. Yeah. But we need to fill out polls for work. Yeah. So we need a Facebook. That's why if you ever saw in the work group, there was a different Tom. That was me. That was just a different account, like my mum's name. Mm-hmm. Just because one in one, which is like not linked to my actual one. Mm-hmm. Um, I do improv comedy. I do this show. Yeah. We promote using social media. Social and, media. you know, I, it's one of those things where I realize, you know, there's on Instagram itself, I have 800 people that follow me. Mm-hmm. Now, like, you know, it's just, you know, not everyone sees what I do. But if I post a, a story uh, saying, hey, Blind Method performing tonight, hey, let me talk is on at 10 p.m. Yeah. I will at least have about 200 people seeing that. Yeah. And they can then come see it. And it just feels like this responsibility it's a lot of pressure. that I've got to like, because I, I, I kind of felt when I went off all social media, I felt better. Yeah. But then I, like my own dissertation is linked on a uh, the shift. Uh, it's it's an, it's about Palestine and, and, and looking at uh, the perceptions of conflict. But it's going looking at the shift from traditional media to social media. Mm-hmm. But then I need to be on social media for my dissertation yeah. to be able to yeah, see yeah. that. So it's like this control that it has over us. It's so tricky because everyone's doing it. Yeah, You've got like to do it. Every aspect of our life, like, mm-hmm. n- means like it's like a necessity for it to be online, mm-hmm. just for, like, just to function. You know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's very interesting. I don't have Snapchat. I do have Facebook because I need it. Um, and even without Instagram or Snapchat, I find myself scrolling through Facebook. And I'm yeah. like, I don't, I don't care what my my aunt's friends are doing. <laughs> so why am I scrolling? Yeah, for what sure. on earth am I doing? Yeah. But it's also so addictive because. Um, is, yeah. of the dopamine oh, release mate. you get from the constant scroll it's like a small hit every time it's crazy honestly it's absolutely crazy do, yeah. do you remember when we had so I'm just checking the time for the show 58 okay just gotta make sure for the recording as well do you remember um, when we were kids and you, your families had landlines mm-hmm. landlines in the house yeah. obviously our parents had, had you know the little mobile brick phones mm-hmm. but what I remember is because obviously I didn't really have access to my mum's phone like I'd play like one, one or two snake games or something on it if I was bored in the mm-hmm. car but like I didn't have access to a phone and the text messages received, even though they were very small text messages. Yeah. And we get home and we click on the landline. It's like, you have five messages. Yeah. Playing from, the, like, playing message number one. Hey, guys, how you doing? Trying to come by today. And it's like, you, you don't know what people said to you till the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's obviously, I'm not, I'm not bashing smartphones and instant communication. That's good. But I was mm-hmm. thinking, you know, having that sort of, like, that, that fixed contact point. Mm-hmm. I feel people might have been a bit happier then because they would, you know, if you wanted to go out and see someone, you go out in the street yeah. and chat to them. Yeah. We do have to yeah. maybe wrap it up and have a part two with them. Maybe. Yeah, I'd like yeah. that a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been really fun. I think uh, for me, I'm I'm so glad I didn't look at the notes. Yeah, I'm okay. so glad because uh, I think the conversation ran very smoothly. Yeah, naturally. Than it, uh, than it has done before. So, yeah, thank you, uh, Finlay, for being such a great guest. Um, that was fantastic. Yeah, we've had, we've had a lot of uh, insight. And yeah. Yeah, no, it's been great talking to you. I feel like there, there's a lot still left to be said, right? For it's, sure. It's one of these for topics sure, yeah. that seems to go on forever, uh, but I yeah. don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I think uh, I'm glad that we've covered uh, some important topics. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in the best of detail, but we have an hour, and it's been a good conversation. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And as always, the episodes will be up on all podcast platforms. That's your Spotify's, that's your Apple Music, sorry, Apple Podcasts, um, your Amazon Podcasts, I guess. I think RSS covers that as well. And now there is a Let Me Talk YouTube channel. Let's go. Uh, we don't yet any have video footage. It's only audio for audio of the podcast. And by the time Reading Week comes along, I'm going to be uploading clips cool. to that channel. Uh, but check that out if you're looking for YouTube. And then we're hoping to have a video in the future. So maybe next Amazing. time... Part two, you get to see 
Finley's incredibly. By the way, that's a, this is a this is a model. Callum and Finley. <laughs> I dressed for I dressed them for a catwalk. These are models, by the way. So even look out for that. Should I give a little outro then? Yeah. It's been Let Me Talk. We were with Finley. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's now 11 p.m. It's time to say goodbye to Jamiroquai's Can Heat. Have a good night and have a great week. See you next Monday.